Lord, we come to you now in a post-Pentecost era, seeing how the Holy Spirit freshly fell upon your early church, and we believe that you are still with us through your Holy Spirit this very hour. I pray that as we listen to your word, I pray that you would cause our hearts to leap for joy and that we would praise you just as this lame beggar did. I pray, Father, that you would surprise us in ways that we haven't seen before, way, areas of our heart and areas of our life that have been stubborn maybe for years, that you might even heal them this morning. Lord, we know that you can do miracles. You did a miracle in this man, and you're doing miracles right now in front of us. Cause us to be a people who have not grown so accustomed to hearing the gospel that it, we are now deaf to it. But instead, open our ears and open our hearts to hear the gospel afresh this morning so that we can be healed and so that we can be confident in your holy, perfect presence and we can mediate that presence to this sick, broken world. Be with me, Lord, uh, a lame man, a man who has nothing to say of my own accord, but fill me with your presence and your spirit right now that I may preach the oracles of God with accuracy and truth. Thank you for each soul here this morning that you've providentially brought them here. Thank you for everyone that will hear this sermon online as well. Would you bless them for wherever they're at? And we pray, Father, that they would hear your word and would submit to the Lord Jesus Christ and see that healing is found in your son's name alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning. If you were to ask, what does the world need most right now? If I were to ask you that, what would you say? With the recent developments in the Middle East this week, gas shortages and a fragile U.S. economy, with sharp political and racial divides, this leads me to conclude that most of us would simply say our world needs healing, doesn't it? And yet, while the problems that surround us are indeed numerous and growing and glaring and they're ever before us in the news— if we're honest with ourselves, we know that on a very personal level, each one of us needs that same healing too. We don't have to reflect long on our lives, if we just think for a moment about how this last week was, to know that things are not always as they ought to be. Each one of us has our own unique set of trials before us. There's, if I were to probe long enough and have a conversation with you, I'm sure there's a number of things that are weighing on you even right now, and you might feel hopeless lame, and powerless to change them. When we leave this church today, each one of us will approach a new week with another set of trials, challenges, and we will go again go back out into a sick and broken world expected to represent Jesus. And so we have a broken, sick, lame world, and we too come before the presence of God this morning acknowledging that we are lame and powerless on our own. Here we are, in God's church this morning, a broken people in a broken world, but we're here because we know where the answer is found. We know that we can find healing in Jesus Christ, amen? The good news is that Christ, the great physician, is always on call. And through this very simple story in Acts 3 about a beggar who had been lame from birth, being healed and then leaping up and praising God, this very simple story we will hear about the complete, restorative, spiritual healing that each one of us needs and all of those who know us need as well. And now while this story, if you read it, in comparison to the heights of Acts chapter 2 or the glories we'll see later in Acts, it might not seem as significant. It might seem on the surface like a flyover passage. Actually, in the context, this healing is the first significant Miracle post-Pentecost, marking the new messianic era, and it is also the event that tees up Peter's second major sermon, that he shows that the presence of God is no longer dwelling in the temple, but is now moved to the very people of God. And so this, this event that might seem like just a repeat of all Jesus' healings in the Gospels is actually a significant catalyst that we would do well to pay attention to. The title of the sermon, Lame to Leaping, isn't only talking about the, the miracle that happened to this beggar 2,000 years ago, but it is God's very real expectation that each one of us will hear the story and will walk away from this church leaping too. Are you ready? Are you ready? Good. The big idea of today's sermon is God's healing presence is found 
in Jesus' name. God's healing presence is found in Jesus' name. We'll see this in three major points. First, our lame condition. And when I say lame, I'm not talking about the junior high taunts. I'm saying our our lame condition, our powerlessness. Second, our miraculous healing. And third, our astonishing witness. Not only from this passage, but in this moment at Cambrian Park Baptist Church, Jesus Christ is spiritually in our midst. And so I want all of us to bring our scars, to bring our infirmities to him, and know that we can expect to be spiritually healed even though things might get more difficult with our circumstances or our physical condition. I'm not promising you that all your problems will be gone, nor am I promising you to be back in the height of your teenage health again. But what Jesus does offer us is something better, something that will become increasingly evident as this passage unfolds. Look at me at the first point, verses 1 through 3, our lame condition. Read along with me. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a lame man from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. Now Luke recounts here how Peter and John would have been doing their good Jewish duty of going to the temple. It was a service that happened twice a day. This was the evening service. It says the the ninth hour. This would have been about 3 p.m. in the afternoon, and the more well-populated of the two services. People were going there to offer sacrifices, but also prayers to God. And these, these men of God who had believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ were still Jews too. So they were still faithfully observing all of the, the temple systems, even though they themselves had become a temple. They themselves had recently, if you remember last week, been filled with the Holy Spirit and were gathering in their own special ways as well. But that didn't mean they had neglected the temple worship either. So they're walking up to the temple And at the exact same time, providentially, a man is being carried, likely by friends or family, to the gate of this beautiful temple. And he's laid there right at the foot of the gate. From birth, it says from his mother's womb, literally, and later we hear that he's over 40 years old, until now, he, this lame beggar, has lived with this condition. Laying down outside of the temple gates, watching his family, friends, watching his whole community walk into the temple, walk into, as they would have seen it, the presence of God. Laying there outside, begging for food because he was lame. He, his, his legs couldn't move, and therefore he couldn't work for a living, and he had to subsist off of the generosity of faithful Jews. He knew that going there at the second service, he would have been in the midst of a bigger crowd, and people actually walking into the temple, their hearts would have been more inclined to generosity at that time. So he knew that he was probably going to get a lot of alms, which was the generous giving of either food or money to the poor, and was a staple of the Jewish religion. So he's there doing what he has done for likely most of his adult life, day after day, sitting outside the temple, probably wishing he could go in seeing the 75-foot-high, beautiful gate and looking at his own condition and seeing how, how broken and he likely thought ugly he was. The contrast and the juxtaposition couldn't be any more black and white than this. Now, he wasn't going in because there weren't wheelchair ramps to get him in. It wasn't a physical restriction that kept him from going in, but it was because at that time, the rabbinic tradition had taken a verse in Leviticus 21. In 21.18 we read, No one who has a blemish shall draw near, a man blind or lame, no one who has a mutilated face or a limb too long. Now, he took, they, they, the rabbinic tradition had took this verse, which was applied to the priests, to the priestly class, to say that those people were spiritually unclean, and they therefore could not be a priest of the ironic line to go and offer these sacrifices to God. They had taken this, and they had wanted to be holier than God himself, and they had extended this not just to the priestly class, not just to the Levites, but to all the people. And therefore, they said, it's not just that you physically can't walk into these doors, but we consider you, lame beggar, 
unclean. No access. You can't come in. We do not want you contaminating God's holy space. Leia there outside. Can you imagine this man's plight? Likely frustrated, defeated, or even resigned at this point to a life of begging for money and food. And I think even worse than his physical condition, not being able to walk, was his exclusion from the presence of God inside the temple. And his exclusion from the religious life of singing psalms together with his brothers, of engaging in the social and community life of the Jewish religion. Now this man going to the temple would have considered himself a Jew by heritage, and yet he was not able to even involve himself in the life. He was on the outside. Now not only was this man physically lame, but prior to meeting the apostles here in this passage, we have to conclude that this man was spiritually lame too. Spiritually powerless. Psalm 51.5 is clear. David prays this, but Paul applies this universally later in Romans 3. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive, conceive me. So not only was he erroneously excluded because of his ceremonial uncleanness, but on a more real, intense, practical level, he was also spiritually unclean from birth. Now, the, this, these verses in Acts 3 don't point to any one particular sin that put him in this condition. So we're not giving him a one-to-one correspondence and saying that it's that that caused his infirmity. But we have to conclude from the doctrine of total depravity that this lame beggar, just like you and me, are born coming out of our mother's wounds, sown in inequity and at enmity with God. Ever since Adam's fall in the garden, we, his children, including this lame beggar, inherit Adam's spiritually lame, powerless nature. Unable on our own power or volition to enter back into the presence of God. Why? Because God's holiness is so pure and sin is such a vile pollution that God cannot happily allow sinners who remain that way, back into his holy presence without destroying them. He cannot do that any more than you as a parent could allow a rat into your baby's crib at night. God cannot allow sin into his presence. He is too good and too holy. Therefore, this man's condition is a picture of our spiritual condition apart from Christ. We're not essentially good people with maybe just a few bruises, maybe a limp here or there, maybe I I need a crutch every so often. No, we come from our mother's womb spiritually lame. We are, as Ephesians 2 says, enslaved to sin, enslaved to our passions and lusts, unable to enter God's holy presence on our own because we on our own, choose the fleeting pleasures of sin and the false notions of being our own God over submitting to God's glorious and gracious kingship. We prefer our our sin. It's as simple as that. We make up excuses, but we are born sinners through and through, and we choose that sin because we think it will make us God, because we make the same mistake Ab and Eve did, and we give in to the, the sight of the beauty of the fruit and what we think sin will bring us. And that fleeting pleasure is our downfall. Apart from Christ, like this man, we too will keep begging for alms, keep begging for silver and gold, keep reaching for things like silver and gold that are material in this world, grasping for things that we think will bring us back into the presence of God, things that we think will cause us to be forgiven, that will ease our guilty conscience, and will, will make us feel full. We are constantly tempted to look at the spiritual gold and silver of our day rather than digging a level deeper and asking ourselves, is there a deeper spiritual problem here? But just like this man, we find out sometimes the hard way 
that it doesn't matter the amount of silver and gold, doesn't matter the amount of money in your bank account, doesn't matter the amount of worldly pleasures and goods you have, none of these things can fix our deepest spiritual problem. We are outside from our mother's womb, apart from Christ, we are outside of the presence of God. I remember before I became a Christian, I had the deep angst of feeling like something wasn't quite right. I considered myself a good, polite kid. I went to youth group, and, and I went to church every so often. I, I didn't drink as much as my friends, nor did I cuss as much as, uh, as them. I, I thought I was essentially a good person. But at the same time, there was a deep emptiness that led me in high school to looking for my, the presence of God, not in God himself, but in the affection and the approval of other people that looked for the presence of God, not in Jesus Christ, but in the grades my teachers would hand back to me. It seemed like every increasing achievement I had was an increasing letdown. And that's how idols work, don't they? We think that this great achievement, we think that this thing we get, the silver and gold, the material from this world, will indeed cause us to be finally and for once satisfied and at peace. Oftentimes, it's those very achievements that bring us the most disquiet in our spirit and the most discomfort, don't they? We get what we thought we needed, and then, we re- then we're let down the next day, and we realize, what am I supposed to do? How am I to be whole? How am I to be in, at right, in the right presence of God? The fall of Adam and the entrance of sin into our world and our human nature is so pervasive that even after we come to Christ, and praise God, God, God found me at the gate I, before the gate I was at. He knocked me on my back, and he saved me. And he's saved many of you, too. That's why you're even here in church this morning. But because sin is so sinister, and it's so pervasive in our world, even when we have come to Christ and filled with the Holy Spirit, we are still left to battle the consequences of our sin nature, aren't we? And moment by moment, we are tempted to fall back willingly into our spiritually lame state to render ourselves lame again, even though we've been filled by the powerful Holy Spirit. As Christians who have the presence of God, we often still struggle with feeling like an outsider of an inner circle. Feeling like we are not in the community that we should be, or that we are in and accepted as we ought to be in the presence of God. As Christians who have been healed, we still are prone to turn our eyes inwards and say, If only I wasn't hindered by this or that. If only I had this extra ability, then I would be fulfilled. If only I had this extra thing, life would be good. Brothers and sisters, we must not do this, but we have to have the humility to realize that we are utterly spiritually lame on our own. But those who have come to Christ, those who have been filled with the Holy Spirit and have received forgiveness from Jesus, we cannot get back into that self-imposed state of spiritual lameness. We must not forget so quickly what spiritual healing means We must not lose confidence in the power of the presence of God in our lives. I think we often, as Christians, can relate to this lame man. Because we, too, know what it feels like to say, I've tried. I've tried to grow. I've tried to overcome this sin. I've tried to evangelize to this person. But it seems like there's no effect. It seems like there's nothing happening. It seems like I'm evangelizing everywhere and that I'm not seeing a ton of growth in church. It's, it seems like I'm doing my Bible reading, like I'm praying, like, like I'm doing what I should, and yet I still feel dissatisfied. We can relate to this lame man oftentimes because we might feel powerless from time to time. It's in this moment, saints, that we must be very careful that we do not look inward and claim a spiritually lame status, and give in to self-pity. If only my circumstances weren't so hard, we're saying to ourselves, no one understands me. Oftentimes, saints, we, in a prideful, self-imposed way, find it easier, rather than turning away 
our hope away from ourselves and putting our hope completely in Jesus, it's easier to render ourselves spiritually lame to say, oh, well, I guess I should stop trying. I guess I'll, I'll just give up. I guess I am lame too. I guess I'll just watch others walk into the temple and feel like they are getting everything that they need. And I will be stuck here and powerless to change. Now, even though we can relate to this man, and even though that we do that, this is not where God wants us to be. This is not where God wants us to end up. We don't have to stay stuck, whether you're not a Christian yet or whether you've been walking with him for years. And we all have those areas in our life that we feel powerless in. The intention of this passage was not for us to stay there. So how do we get out of the spiritually lame state that we find ourselves in? If we are unholy and unfit for God's presence on our own, but it's his very presence that we need to get unstuck, then where's the hope? How are we to be healed like this lame beggar? How are we to find hope again so that we can leap for joy and find fresh power from the Holy Spirit? We see from this man that we don't have to stay lame for long. But like in our next point, there's a miraculous healing that is offered to all of us in the name of Jesus. Point two, our miraculous healing. Look with me at verses four through seven. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. Unlike most temple attendees, who'd probably seen this man day after day and had walked past him, maybe flipped a coin to him, probably seen him so often that they overlooked him at this point, unlike there's many people that just passed him by, Peter and John, providentially filled with the Spirit, stared this man right into the eye, stared right at him, gave them their gaze, and commanded him to reciprocate, commanded him to look back at them and return. And although the man was asking for alms, Peter says to him, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. Rise and walk. Peter tells him that he has something that far surpasses any money that he could ever receive. True and complete spiritual healing in the name of Jesus Christ. Not only was this a life-changing moment for this man in particular, but a world-changing moment, demonstrating the power of Jesus' name through his spirit-empowered people. Take notice, saints. This wasn't just healing for this man, but this is the first healing in the Bible done in the name of Jesus Christ, and this gives us, 2,000 years later, great hope that healing can still happen today, that we too can be healed by this same Christ through his people. This watershed moment in salvation history is a fulfillment of John 14, both verses 12 and 25. Listen to Jesus' prophetic words. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. Isn't that what happened here? Peter and John doing these things in the name of Christ, doing greater works than Jesus, not in quality, but in quantity. Jesus being now not there in the flesh, but being able to indwell all his people now, doing greater works through the name of himself in his people's lives. In verse 25, And all this I have spoken to you while I am with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. When Jesus says, I leave, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit so that I still remain with you. Fear not, friends. The same Jesus who spoke the galaxies and all human life into existence is here speaking this lame man back into spiritual and physical life through his human representative, Peter. Like this lame man, we need God's healing presence to overcome our spiritually lame condition too. And praise God that we can find that healing 
in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Jesus comes to each of us today just as he gazed into this lame man's soul and he meets us where we're at, knowing all of those things that are weighing heavy upon your back right now, all those things that you feel powerless in. He comes to you and he looks you right in the eye this morning too. He knows if you have yet to come to him and are still looking for salvation, and he offers you more than silver and gold, but he offers you eternal life, something that this material world will never know. He comes to you if you know him already, but he knows all the ways that you are functionally still reverting to a spiritually lame state, falling back into self-pity, feeling stuck, unable to walk in peace and contentment in your life right now. He comes to all of us this morning and he says, Cambrian Park Baptist Church, rise and walk. And we can. Amen? And we can. How? Because Jesus Christ did first. The second person of the Holy Trinity, who cannot be contained or disabled by anyone, voluntarily gave up not only his freedom to walk, but his freedom to live, too. Jesus Christ of Nazareth staggered to the cross and eventually had his body nailed there, rendering himself essentially lame, unable to move, pierced to the cross. He did that so that he might take away the vile pollution of our sin too by becoming the perfect sacrifice and substitute for each one of us. 1 Peter 2.24 speaks of this healing. He himself carried our sins in his body on the tree so that we would be dead to sins and alive to righteousness. Say it with me. By his wounds, you were healed. He fully heals us from the sin that keeps us lame by becoming lame on our behalf. But not only that, saints, not only that does he make us well, but on the cross as well, he chooses to lose the presence of God temporarily so that we might be brought fully in, so that we no longer have to lay outside the temple, outside the presence of God, no longer able to walk into the presence of God and enjoy the life and culture of our people, praising God and being taking part in the prayers and sacrifices. No longer do we have to feel like an outsider, laying down, never truly experiencing or tasting the presence of God. But Jesus on the cross lost the presence of God, saying, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? In Hebrews 10, 19 through 22, we read, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Saints, the only reason why we can not only be healed and made well, but then made well to enter into the presence of God is because Jesus became sin, took upon all of your sin himself, and he entered behind the veil, behind the presence of God. Didn't only enter into the temple, but entered into the innermost part of the temple, into the very burning blaze of the holy God. And he entered there with your pollution upon his back with all of your self-pity, with all of your pride, with, with all of the world's sin, with all of his elect. He took that there into the presence of God, and he bore the wrath of the Father. He entered into the curtain, and he was destroyed there so that he could tear that curtain in two and pave the way for us to enter into the temple and into the holy presence of God ourselves. Like the lame beggar, Jesus was put outside the temple and became a sin offering so that we could be brought back into the glorious presence of God. And the cool thing about that, saints, is that we're not just entering into the temple, but we ourselves become the temple. We become the house in which the Holy Spirit can now reside. Turn away from your pride of thinking you can walk this life apart from Christ. Turn away from believing that 
you are not spiritually lame on your own. Turn away from feeling powerless that you cannot overcome your sin. Turn away from believing the lie that you are essentially good through and through and can be satisfied and hold whole apart from Jesus Christ. We all need to turn away, not only from our pride, but from our, the self-pity of looking at ourselves and, and, and being focused so much on our disappointments and our powerlessness and considering us, ourselves spiritually lame. Not believing in the power of prayer to do miracles in our lives. Not believing that we can overcome sin and find true peace in the presence of God. We need to turn away from those sins and turn to Christ. And when we do so, healing will come when we recognize for the first time how powerless and lame we are apart from him. When we look to Christ by faith and say that Christ, only you can make me well. Only by the power of your name can I enter the healing presence of God. It is then that he will freely heal your deepest wound and bring you outside in. That he will come to you, take residence inside you, tabernacle amongst you, so that you can enjoy his presence and leap for joy yourself. Saints, notice at the end of verse 7 here, it says that immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. This healing of Christ, this spiritual salvation, this regeneration that we can receive is both immediate and complete. There was no process that this man had to go through to just slowly go through physical therapy to work himself back into health again. There was no systems of laws and levers he had to pull to be right in the eyes of the Jewish community. But he was healed from the ankles up, made completely well on the spot, and marched right in there with Peter and John and found his home back where he should have been all along. Saints, for you... This morning, if you are in Christ, then your salvation is both immediate and complete. Turn away from all notions of dealing with sin incrementally, thinking, well, one day I'll deal with that sin, one day I'll put it out of my life, thinking that we have the strength to overcome our, our lame, powerless selves on our own. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we can this day experience the healing presence of Christ. Whatever difficult burden you might have weighing on you right now, whatever way that you might feel powerless, bring that to Christ this very morning. And know that there's nothing too hard. There's nothing too impossible. There's no world political problem that's too difficult. There's no relational strife in your family that's too sticky that Jesus Christ can't walk into and bring his healing presence. Oftentimes, God even brings spiritual healing through the most trying and difficult physical and material circumstances, doesn't he? While we can certainly think of many times where God has healed his people physically, there are just as many stories of God healing us spiritually by making us physically lame so that we can't put any trust in ourselves any longer. Raise your hand if you've ever found spiritual growth and healing through physical affliction. Raise your hand if you've ever found spiritual healing and growth through physical affliction. I think most of us can. What we need to take away from this amazing story isn't a false hope that we'll be rejuvenated and everything will be physically fine and that, and that life will become easy now and that everything will just be a cakewalk. But what we need to take away from this is that this man's life just started. He was in for a bit of a controversy with those in the temple of associating with these Jesus followers now. And what spiritual healing looks like for you in the eyes of the world might look like torture. Think of Joni Erickson Tata in, in her, paraly- her paralyzing moment from the legs down, which opened her spiritual eyes to the need for Christ. Think of C.S. Lewis not being able to play as a little boy, but being forced to read books all day long in the great author he became. Think of Christian musician Phil Keggy, who had a finger cut off and yet became one of the greatest Christian guitarists we know. It is through physical infirmities often, it is through those difficult circumstances that God isn't taking away from you, but that is pressing even harder upon you that he wants to give to you as a gracious gift to find Christ and the spiritual healing that you need. Now that we recognize how we 
were spiritually lame like this beggar, we, now that we know about the miraculous healing that Christ offers to us in his name, and that we can enjoy the full presence of God, the final question for us this morning is, what practical impact should this have now for me in my life and for all of those around me? Our third point, our astonishing witness. Look at verses 8 through 10 with me. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. The first and most visible response, practically, to his healing was that he was able to be a witness inside the temple to the religious community. How ironic is it about this moment that even before entering into the physical temple, this man became a living temple. The physical temple that he longed for his whole life to finally get to enter in, but he himself was already full of the Holy Spirit. He himself was a more real version of the temple of God walking on earth before he even entered into the temple he longed for. Everything that he had been longing for for more than 40 years was now his in Christ. Not only did he have his health and the ability to walk, work, and serve amongst his people, above them all, he had the presence of God. And his right response at the end of verse 8 was leaping in praise. One of the most humiliating aspects of his condition was his shame. The shame of being a man, not able to to provide for himself, not able to work with his hands as most men were created to do. The shame of feeling like an outsider, of not being looked at as, as a fellow worshiper alongside his brethren. And all of this in a moment erased not only strengthening this man's legs, but more importantly, strengthening his identity too, making him whole spiritually. Now, for a man who's been given supernatural strength in his legs that work really well, you better believe he's going to test him out, and he was going to leap as high as he could. I know I would if I got new legs. I, I want to test him out and try to leap too. But this detail is important for another reason. I don't want you just to see in your mind the imagery of him leaping up. Yes, that's important. But this little detail Luke is dropping in here for the astute reader actually has a much more significant reality in the grand plan of salvation history. Because this word leap is so rarely used in the New Testament, only three times in fact, we are immediately reminded of when leap is used in the Old Testament too, in the great prophecy of the messianic era given to us in Isaiah 35. Listen to Isaiah 35, 5 and 6. This is Isaiah speaking through the power of the Holy Spirit to Israel at that time, foretelling of a day when the Messiah's reign and rule would bring joy to the people. Listen. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then Then shall the lame man Leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy, for waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Israel, in Babylonian captivity, felt lame themselves, shackled down, powerless, enslaved to a bigger foreign army, not able to to have a temple, not able to have the worship of Yahweh that they wanted. And in that bleak darkness shines forth the light of Isaiah's promise which the Jews would have been hoping for, for year upon year upon year. And finally, we're here, saints. We get here. Jesus' ministry looked like a failure in the eyes of some, but was a success to God. He's redeeming his people, ascended to heaven, poured out the Spirit, and now, what does the power of the Spirit look like? Miracle number one, the healing of this lame beggar. Turn over the the book, a new chapter is here in God's covenant dealings with his people. No longer is it to be the, the same old animal sacrifice system, 
But no, the era of the mute being able to finally, praise God, the, those who are lame being able to leap like a deer is here now. Not only physically, but spiritually. The people who had for so long in the darkness between Malachi and Matthew longed for healing, longed for the Messiah to come. The Messiah is now here and his church is growing now through his spiritual presence. This man's astonishing witness to the power of Christ is a great reminder that this same Holy Spirit is alive and well and healing us spiritually in the name of Christ too. I can certainly say that it's so easy to take Christ's salvation for granted, to forget the great benefit of being healed by Jesus, of having all of my sins washed away, of having access to the presence of God through prayer, of being able to enter into the church with my saints now and worship alongside one of each, each one of you. These are things that we do so often that sometimes they become mundane for us. But I hope this man's leaping challenges you and reminds you of what great salvation has been given to you through Christ as well. It's easy after you've been walking with Christ for a while to distance yourself from the old lame self that you used to be and forget how dramatic and, and, and uh, miraculous your, con- your conversion was. But take this moment to, to remember the darkness that Jesus brought you out of. Your, before you came to Christ, the inability you had to find hope, satisfaction, and to find the presence of God that you were created for. But now that you've been healed and fully strengthened, what's keeping you from leaping and praising God like this man? What's keeping you from doing that this day? I believe God is using imagery like this and this prophecy from Isaiah because he knows that we are prone to discouragement and forgetfulness. Think of that thing right now that is burdening you in your life. The thing that's causing you the most stress right now. Then, what I want you to do is see yourself taking that burden and placing that burden upon Christ so that he is the one strengthening you, raising you out of your anxiety, and walking with you so that that weight is gone. Yes, you still have to have that difficult conversation. Yes, you still have to go home today and face another week and and walk through difficult circumstances, but the weight and the burden has been taken away by Jesus Christ. Jesus was able to stare death in the face and defeat it. He was able to take all of the condemnation away so that you can now walk through this life with power, leaping and praising God in the midst of difficult circumstances. The glorious news about our spiritual healing is that when we look to Christ for strength, He helps us even in controversial situations. Even though this this situation would have been controversial for this man. He helps us to know the presence of God. To have that inner sanctuary and that presence of the Holy Spirit that we can access through the word and prayer even when the pressure seems insurmountable around us. All of those things that used to burden you, that used to make you feel lame, whether it be that rift in a family relationship, whether it be that anxiety to perform at work or school, whether it be that need to have approval from others, all of those things are now lifted in Christ. He has brought his healing to you once and for all. And you are now called to leap and praise God because of it. Like this healed man, our new life immediately becomes an astonishing witness not just to ourselves and the power of God internally, but it becomes a witness to all those around us, becomes a public reminder of the powerful presence of God. The end of verse 10 tells us that everyone in the temple recognized this man, and they were filled with wonder and amazement. Those two Greek words can more colorfully be translated that they were dumbfounded, that they were awestruck, by the miracle that happened in this man's life. They probably didn't expect for a million years to see this lame man standing there with him inside the temple. And this would have been a powerful testimony because guess who he was associating with? 
Peter and John, those guys who were representing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This would have reminded them that they needed to come to Jesus themselves too. That no longer the life of offering animal sacrifices and offering prayers and doing the same old religious techniques was going to work, but that there was a new teacher, there was a new authority that Christ brought, and there was a new power that he brought through his people by the Spirit. Now I want for you each to consider now how in Christ you can make a similar miraculous impact on those who you come in contact with too. Just as this man was able to walk and worship in righteousness like he had never done before, so too can you walk in worship so that those who know you will hopefully be stunned, dumbfounded, awestruck by your changed life in Christ as well. Don't underestimate, don't discount, saints, the way you care yourselves when you're out and about. Don't discount, don't underestimate your presence in this church today to encourage others who might feel spiritually lame. Don't underestimate your presence and witness in this world while God still has breath in your lungs to make those around you see, hey, this person isn't part of the same dark, sick, broken world that I hear on the headlines every day. This person is a witness to Christ's supernatural power, even if it's just through bearing the fruit of the Spirit, being joyful, being kind to others, showing grace, helping your neighbor, doing these simple things that uniquely point to the presence of Jesus, telling people that you go to church on Sunday, telling people that you are not afraid of death. Saints, it is your miraculous conversion And your ongoing witness of someone who, even though we have a dark and depressed and fearful world, you can leap and praise God and make others stare at you with their jaw dropped, wondering what is different. Sometimes we don't feel very supernatural, do we? We say, if only miracles like this happened today, maybe more people would believe. Well, saints, your conversion is just as supernatural. Maybe the the laws of nature are not suspended temporarily, but the, the spiritual reign of darkness has been vanquished in your life, and you are Christ's. Something even more miraculous, you being able to be now a mouthpiece and a witness, and a living temple, a living, walking representative of the presence of God can now not call people into the temple, but can be a little temple that goes out and ushers the presence of God into the darkness where it currently isn't. So then, if this is the case, how, ask yourself, how can my healing presence be brought to my family, neighbors, church community in San Jose? Think right now, who in my life is lame spiritually? Who in my life is sick, who is lonely, who is hurting, who needs the healing of Christ? Who needs to be ushered into the healing presence of God? I'm sure all of you can think of people right now. If the name of Jesus Christ on the lips of Peter could heal this man, you also carrying the authority and presence of Jesus Christ with his name, your little Christians, but your Christians, by the way, which means little Christs, you with the, as the hands and feet of Christ can also carry that authoritative name of Jesus Christ into the world to preach the power of the gospel, to not definitively heal all physical sickness, but to bring the power of the gospel which can convert any lost sinner. When Yasmin was converted in 2007, her family didn't like it at first. They told her when she came, came home from college, Yasmin, you've changed. Uh-oh. Words you would not want to hear from your parents. You've changed. But simultaneously, they could not deny the good change that had happened to her. Eventually, God used Yasmin's witness of being healed to challenge her family with unusual kindness and about a year or so later, eventually brought her older sister, Zariah, to Christ as well. Now that her family still says, you've changed, but now it's not with contempt, but they say you've changed and look for her, to her now for spiritual counsel. 
asking her to proclaim the gospel at the the family patriarch's funeral. Whether or not all of them believe it yet, they've witnessed Yasmin's true supernatural spiritual healing from being a lame beggar enslaved to religion to now seeing God's presence inside her. The same story can be replicated in each one of you. All the followers of Christ here in this church today have your own story of how God has healed you and how he's using you right now to be a witness to your family, neighbors, and to this world. Now, it's no accident that this miracle drew a crowd. It caused a scene. And in God's providence, it intentionally did so because what it did is it teed up next week Peter's amazing second sermon, which will challenge these, these Israelites to believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ. This sign, wonder, this miracle announced through Isaiah the the new era, the messianic reign of peace and joy in the Savior. And it reminds us, saints, that you never know the spiritual preparation that you are doing, the the hard ground that you are breaking up and tilling and preparing for the preaching of gospel yourself. You may not be able to have a full gospel conversation this afternoon, but your leaping and your praising God is preparing people for someone else to come along and preach it. It's preparing people when you invite them to church to hear the preached word from this pulpit or maybe another one. It's preparing them to hear the whole gospel and say, aha, I know that Christian. I know they bear the name of Jesus. And if they have that supernatural power, I want it too. In closing, even though I know we live in one of the bluest states, and in a city that seems antagonistic towards Bible-believing Christians. You never know who God is sovereignly allowing to sit outside these gates for 40-plus years, who this month, this year, he's wanting to bring in. You never know who that lame beggar is who doesn't know that they need God. You never know that at the end of this day or at the end of this year, which one of your family members might profess the name of Christ as well. If he did it for this lame man, and if he did it for us, he can do it for anyone. I pray that you leave this day not feeling spiritually lame in any area of your life, but asking God to bring his holy presence into your life and allow him to, to bring his wonderful and amazing presence, not only in your life, but in this local church. So let's go forth remembering the lame people we once were but now knowing that we have been powerfully and fully brought into the presence of God so that we can then bring that presence of God into the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this wonderful story of this lame beggar. We are all beggars ourselves with nothing to offer you. The only thing we have to offer is our sin, Lord. And you take us as we are. You take us in our lame state. You know that we cannot change anything, let alone the world's trajectory apart from you. And yet with you, there is power, there is healing, there is authority. And so I pray that you would work through this church, that we would be a collection of people that testify to your healing presence. And may you be so pleased to use us to heal this city. In Jesus' name, amen.